Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13. Truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. Warren Wiersbe. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight, and engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of Pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Think Twice TV podcast. For today's show, we're touching on another hot topic, homosexual transformation. You know, something I say to my kids, being a father of four sons, is we have two ears and one mouth, so close one and open two. Too often, Christians are guilty of of wanting to share the truth of God's word, but without any tact. It's easy to point out sin from the black and white truth of the scripture, but it's a lot harder to take the time to understand where people are coming from and how they got there. Let's listen and learn from our first testimony, Peter's story, Strength Through Weakness. Hello, my name is Peter, and this is my story. I can't remember a time when I wasn't dealing with homosexual problems. A close family relative started sexually abusing me when I was seven or eight years old. He was older than me and got me to engage in sexual acts with him on a regular basis. This went on for about a year until he left the area. He was a close family member and I trusted him. At first, I didn't recognize that there was anything wrong with what we were doing. It felt pleasurable and I enjoyed his attention, especially since I didn't get much positive attention from my father, who was distant, hostile, and frequently violent. But I wondered about the secrecy. I was told by him not to tell anyone or he would get me. So I felt simultaneously desired and threatened by him and very, very confused about love, especially brotherly love among males. I was confused about what it even meant to be a male. More than that, I just couldn't relate to the world of boys and men. When I was 12, I made friends with a boy at school whose father had died. Like me, he was immature for his age. I started to attend his church youth program. From the first day that I attended, I knew that I wanted to become a member of his church. I was particularly attracted to spiritual yet rational aspects of the religion. It was a place where I could feel relaxed and comfortable unlike my home and school. I felt that the spiritual truths I was hearing about were somehow familiar to me and something that I wanted to be part of, so I was soon baptized. Not long afterward, however, while spending the night at my friend's house, he made a sexual advance at me, and I responded. From that time on, we became very involved in homosexual activity. I felt pleasure and release, of course, but emotionally, I felt nothing. Over time, I started to become aware that our sexual practices were compulsive and empty. Eventually, I couldn't cope with it anymore and recommitted myself to the church. I felt relieved to be away from my relationship with him, but still, after all that time, felt an emptiness that I could not fill. In high school, boys teased and taunted me, and because of my awkwardness with sports, my secret sexual involvement caused me to feel even more disconnected from them. At 16, I dropped out of school and entered an apprenticeship as an electrical mechanic. I wanted to escape the abuse of the boys at high school, but now I was thrown into a group of the foulest mouthed and roughest men I'd ever met. At building sites, there was plenty of pornography being passed around, which I found stimulating. 
and the men were always talking about sex. I felt totally alienated from them. They belittled and criticized me. Once a group of them even ganged up on me and stripped me of all my clothes. If not for a kind man who retrieved my clothes for me, I don't know what I would have done. When one tradesman made a sexual advance toward me, I reluctantly responded. I secretly started some homosexual activity with him at work. This was short-lived since we didn't work together soon after that. I would try to avoid men as much as possible, even though I was sexually attracted to them. Part of me wanted to serve God through full-time missionary service. Part of me wanted to marry a woman and have children. Part of me wanted to find a boyfriend and indulge all my homosexual fantasies. I was horribly conflicted. Not long after that, I had a terrible motorcycle accident, and I broke both my legs. I spent a full month in the hospital, followed by six months of rehabilitation therapy. Afraid I would never walk again, I begged God to rescue me physically and spiritually. I promised God that if he would let me walk again, I would turn my life around, stop seeking sex with men, and serve a full-time mission. I fulfilled my promise to God, and he helped me walk again. As I immersed myself in scripture, I learned if I humbly took my weaknesses to God in faith, that the grace of God would turn my weaknesses into strength. At the age of 26, I received a call from my church to give two years of full-time missionary service. The homosexual feelings and memories didn't disappear, but I found as I lost myself in service to God that they lessened in frequency and intensity. When I completed my mission and returned home, I soon found that when I was no longer serving God full-time, the homosexual desires again intensified. I eventually earned a bachelor's degree. I started once again dating women and married at the age of 30. I never told my wife of my history until about five years into our marriage. When I finally did tell her, it was not a complete surprise to her, but did initially create a serious rift in our relationship. Eventually, though, she became very supportive of me. Even though I was not actively homosexual, my emotional homosexuality kept me from being as affectionate with my wife as we both would have liked. Eventually, we started to withdraw emotionally from each other. After 10 years of marriage and three children, my wife and I separated. This emotional crash woke me up to the fact that my life was not working. Even though I had withdrew from homosexual behavior and I was serving God, as important as these had been to my growth and development as a man, they were not nearly enough for me to have a truly healthy heterosexual marriage if I still secretly lusted after men. With my marriage and family hanging in the balance, I went into therapy and I immersed myself in books about overcoming homosexuality to help me understand how the molestation led to my homosexual confusion. Joseph Nicolasi's Reparative Therapy of Male Homosexuality uh, helped me gain a new understanding that helped me heal from the past and would help me heal the present. I was not destined to feel homosexual forever. I confronted the family member who had abused me and learned that he too had been abused, although by someone outside the family. I confronted my father from whom I had felt estranged for so long and he opened up to me for the first time about the struggles in his own life that had shut him down emotionally. I came to see that his lack of affection was not about me, but about his own deep emotional pain from childhood in particular, the death of both his parents and traumatic war experiences that left him angry and scarred. By confronting the past, 
I started truly growing up as a man. I reconciled with my wife. I've never again succumbed to temptations to have sex with men. My wife and I have felt increasing levels of commitment and understanding as our relationship becomes more deeply compassionate. I find greater masculine joy in my roles as both husband and father. Jeremiah 31.3 I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Jesus, my everything, my life, you completed all for your glory. I found Peter on a site called brothersroad.org. There's lots of good resources there, or if you're interested in the book he mentioned, check the show notes for links. The song that you heard at the end of that testimony was from a husband and wife musical team called Brad and Rebecca. The song is entitled, My Everything. You can look them up and find them at bradandrebeccamusic.com. Hey, make sure you check them out and uh, stop by their social media. Uh, Give them a like. Thanks. Our next story is from Julio. This video is from brothersroad.org. He was speaking on one of their men's outings where the guys get together for hiking trips, rock climbing, and bond as men in the healthy way that God intended. Let's listen to Julio's story now. It takes courage and it requires a sense of taking a risk, but it's worth it. I expect today to have a lot of fun. I, I, I anticipate that I'm going to have a great time with my friends and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy opportunities of spending time with men where I get to uh, be myself around other guys and be accepted for who I am. Before I was introduced to the Brothers Road community, I dated men and I thought I had found love. And in this journey after uh, Brothers Road, I've learned what real love means between men, platonic love. I've allowed myself to love men without engaging sexually. My first experience with Brothers Road was when I attended uh, Journey to Menhood in uh, California in 2012. It was a wonderful experience for me. I had the opportunity to get to know myself. I had the opportunity to look into events in my life that had been wounding. There was a lot of fear around having friends, being rejected, being bullied. Um, So I started a process of healing. I am still attracted to men. My relationship with men changed. What activities I engaged with men is different, but I was able to split the difference between being a man, loving men, without having to engage sexually with men. And it's been a wonderful experience. I love my wife. She is the most supportive, patient, loving person that I've met. I have been able to experience real love, not just from the giving, perspective, like I I love her and I would do anything for her, but also from the receiving end, I've been able to recognize what true love means. 
I can still be married, have a wife, have a family, which was my dream, while being able to hang out with guys, come ziplining with friends, you know, like having a fun time with my friends, hugging them, telling them that I love them. I allowed myself to be able to express my true feelings towards men without having a conflict um, with my marriage. I can, I can have the best of both worlds, a family, a loving wife, a supportive, amazing woman next to me, but also that community that helps me um, identify myself as a man, see myself as a man, and recognize that I am far more than just an attraction. I have skills and talents and abilities and love that I can share with others. And Brothers Road has helped me understand that. It's amazing to see what can happen when uh, people are hopeless or hurting and they turn to God for answers. On this website, brothersroad.org, there are lots more answers and resources. They have a free uh, PDF book that you can download, um, video testimonies, written testimonies, articles, just tons of help out there. Brothersroad.org. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's time for the absolute basics of the Christian faith from seedbed.com. Answering those burning questions like who is God, what is salvation, and many more. So, let's take a bite. The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith Why did the Son of God become human? Okay, so, despite the fact that we were the ungrateful ones, despite the fact that we received the gift of life in relationship with God and then rejected the giver, despite the fact that we were the ones who messed up, God reestablished relationship, loving and caring for the people of Israel, and finally becoming human in the person of Jesus Christ. We broke the connection, but God reestablished it. The question we want to ask, though, is why? Why did God bother? Why didn't God just write us off and go start another planet with more grateful and obedient people? This question is important because we must remember that God is perfect, and this means that he's perfectly good, and a perfectly good person always understands what's wrong hates it. God hates sin, and as the Bible teaches, God would have been perfectly justified in letting us experience the punishment for sin. All of sin, and the wages of sin, is death. God could have just let us go, but he didn't. God loves the world he made. God loves us, and so isn't willing to write us off when we disobey. There's a story most of you are very familiar with from the Gospel of Luke. A father has two sons an older son and a younger son. And the younger son comes to the father and tells him he doesn't want to be a son anymore and asks for a share of the inheritance. The father gives the son his share of the money and the son leaves for a far off country where he blows all the cash partying. Now broken alone, the son becomes desperate and heads back home to ask to be a slave in his father's house. But the father sees the son a far way off and runs to meet him. The father throws his best coat and his Rolex watch on the son and takes the whole household out to a steakhouse to celebrate. He tells the older son, We have to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And this story is like our story. And in our story, God actually goes one step further. He sends his son out to get us and bring us back. 
The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith from Seedbed.com. I would like to thank Seedbed.com and Dr. Philip Talon for allowing us to use some of the segments from The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith. Hey, make sure you check them out. So go to Seedbed.com backslash confirmation. Thanks. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. When Francis of Assisi turned his back on wealth to seek God in simplicity, he stripped naked and walked out of the city. He soon encountered a leper on the side of the road. He passed him, then stopped and went back and embraced the diseased man. Francis then continued on his journey. After a few steps, he turned to look again at the leper, but no one was there. For the rest of his life, he believed that leper was Jesus. He may have been right. Jesus lives in the hurting, the bruised, the lost, the forgotten If we want to see God this morning, we must go among the broken and beaten, and there we will see him. Picture in your mind this morning a young Jewish mother holding her newborn baby in her arms, gazing into his beautiful, peaceful, innocent face as he sleeps. What musings go through her mind? What are her hopes and aspirations for her little man-child? Does she see him out running in the neighborhood with his friends? Maybe she envisions him in the synagogue school learning the traditions of his people. What will he become? What does his future hold? Certainly that young Jewish mother saw her son getting married and making her a grandmother. Oh, God was so good wasn't he? For the sake of identification, let's give our little guy a name. Let's call him Jacob today. Jacob does grow up, goes to school, gets a good job, marries, and yes, in the providence of God, even the grandchildren come. But one day as Jacob is preparing for the day, he notices on his hands some white shining spots. And on further reflection, they seem to go deeper than the skin. I wonder what that can be, he muses. But then like many of us, when there's a little nagging symptom that might describe something deeper, he pushes it out of the corner of his mind and says, oh, it's it's probably nothing. I probably got a little bit of an irritation when I was working outside the other day. Uh, I'm sure it'll go away, And and he hurries off to his day. But the spots don't go away. In fact, they begin little by little to spread, and the hairs of the affected parts of the skin turn white, and his flesh begins to take on an angry, raw look. One morning as Jacob is preparing for work, there's a knock on the door and he opens it and he finds his bosses standing there. And his boss says, Jacob, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you so early in the morning, but, but I'm afraid that there's been some disturbing rumors circulating uh, the plant and, and I'm going to have to ask you to stretch out your arms. Rather unusual request, first thing in the morning, but he's an accommodating sort of fellow and so he holds out his arms and his 
And his supervisor looks and he says, you know, what I've been hearing is true, Jacob. Uh, you know, I, I hate to tell you this. I really like you. You're one of our best employees. But, but I'm afraid the company policy, you can't come back to work until that rash clears up. That isn't bad enough. A few days later, there's another knock at the door. And this time, it's the priest. He thinks, the priest? What in the world is he? He's never visited me before. I wonder why he's here. Ah, oh, Brother John, come on in. Can we offer you some breakfast? We're just getting ready to sit down to eat. And, and he says, no, I, I'm sorry, Jacob. I, I can't come in. It's not a social call. Uh, actually, I'm here on official business. There are some upsetting rumors circulating our community. And I have to ask you to stretch out your arms. And again, Jacob complies, and the priest looks very carefully. He says, uh-huh, it's just as I suspected. I'm afraid, Jacob, you have leprosy, and you're going to have to leave your home and our city right away. Leprosy? Leprosy? No. How, how, how could I have leprosy? There must be some kind of terrible, awful mistake. Surely, surely I don't have leprosy. No, no mistake, Jacob. I don't know how you contracted it. Obviously, you've committed some kind of terrible sin, and God is punishing you. At any rate, I'm sorry, but you know the law. You have to leave right away. What goes through Jacob's mind as he trudges out of town? His head down, bitter tears stinging his face. He can never hold a job again. He can never kiss his wife or hold his children on his lap and hug him to his breast and share with him his hopes and dreams and aspirations for them again. He can never walk inside the holy city again. He can't go to the temple and worship or offer sacrifices of praise again. He's a leper, an outcast, a member of the living dead, he was required by the rabbis to live with his clothes torn, his hair disheveled, and the lower part of his face and upper lip covered. He was as one going to death to read his own burial service. And if someone were to happen in the vicinity of where he was, he was required by law to shout, Unclean! Unclean! Stay away from me! I'm dirty! I'm, I'm a leper! Don't come near! Don't touch me! I'm unclean! And while neither God nor the scriptures teach that leprosy is the direct result of personal sin, the rabbis did, one rabbi in Jesus' day is reported to have boasted that he always threw stones at lepers to keep them far away from him. They even went so far as forbidding lepers to wash their faces because they were mourners mourning their own death. What does Jacob have to look forward to? A slow, creeping, agonizing death? Or should I say, a slow, creeping, agonizing life. As his body, little by little, would lose its ability to feel pain, to feel anything. The skin would tighten, his ears, nose, fingers, toes, hands and feet, little by little, would rot away. And Because a leper doesn't have the sensation of pain, a leper doesn't know when he or she is hurting themselves. And so in, the, in, in many of those cultures, 
Uh, oftentimes lepers will lay by the fire at night and flop their hand in the fire and burn their hand and not know it's burning. And all the while this is happening, Jacob knows that society is embarrassed by him. His family isn't allowed to show him their love. And even God doesn't love him. At least that's what the rabbis say. And they're supposed to speak for God. But one day, someone stumbles into the camp of the outcasts with startling news. There's a miracle worker living right here in Galilee. He's obviously anointed by God because he is performing great acts. Sick people are being healed, and and I even heard that he speaks, and demons come out of people. And he loves poor people. I heard a crowd of people talking about some of his words. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Jacob, do you hear me? He's talking about us. He says that God loves poor people. He says that God loves people trapped and crushed by sickness and disease. People caught in awful circumstances. Why, he even says that God loves lepers. Could it possibly be true? Could God love lepers? Is it any wonder that when we transport ourselves back into our text today, When the man in the story meets Jesus, he kneels, he cowers, he begs. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Please note, he doesn't say, if you're willing, you can make me well. His problem is he's unclean. He's a leper. He's dirty. Society doesn't love him. His family can't love him. The synagogue doesn't care about him. If you're willing, if you're willing, you can do it. I've heard the reports. I believe you're the miracle worker. I've heard you're the Messiah. I believe if, you're, if you want to, if you want to, you can make me clean. The question is, are you willing? Do you want to? Do you want to make me clean? Look what the scripture says, verse 41. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look at these words, filled with compassion. Don't you love those words? Filled with compassion. Jesus said, I am willing, be clean. The clean one reaches out and takes the uncleanness of the leper and he takes it in his own body. He's able to, he's able to crawl inside of his skin You know, I love those words in Hebrews where it says that we have a great high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know, it would be wonderful to know that God was aware of the facts of our needs, just to be aware that he he knows that we have weaknesses and problems and struggles. I mean, that would be phenomenal to know the God of the universe is aware of that. But, you know, God goes one step further and he says, I know how you feel. Jesus is touched not just with the facts of our infirmities, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Hallelujah. 
How many times are we, do we find ourselves sick or discouraged or lonely and, or, or we come alongside someone else and we try to encourage them and, and what is it they say to us or we say to them, we say, I know just how you feel. And I don't know what it is about hearing those words, but it, it's like squeaking the chalk on the chalkboard. Shivers run up and down our spine. We want to lash out and say, you don't know how I feel. Nobody knows how I feel. No, that's not true. There's somebody who knows how you feel feel because he was tested and tempted and tried in all points like as we are yet without sin therefore for this reason we come boldly confidently unashamedly before the throne of grace and receive help in our time of need Jesus knows how we feel lastly I want to add this caveat if you're gay, lesbian, or of another persuasion, we at the Think Twice TV podcast are not targeting you, nor are we condemning you. So please, don't get it twisted. We love you. We do not hate you. The church is here for you, and more importantly, the Lord Jesus Christ is here for you too. Matthew 19.26 With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The next episode of the Think Twice TV podcast is entitled Love Matters, Abused and Neglected No More. Dina's story, Unwanted, Unloved. Tacoma's story, Nearly Aborted to Dearly Loved. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association. Revealing the love and power of God through media. www.mediamessengers.org If you like the show, follow us on social media. And please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes. While all our stories are true, some of them have been read by voice actors.